And greetings, everyone. You're listening to KYRS Medical Expo Can 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Malson. And I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. Eric, well, we started out the month of February, and our guest today was just recently fe- featured in the uh, Spokesman Review. It's kind of caught my eye, and I thought it would be great if we could get Tracy uh, Poindexter Canton as our guest today, and she agreed. So, Tracy, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. So, Tracy, I think one of the things that caught my eye was the, um, uh, you know, just the whole. Um, theme around your art show that currently is being played or played is being showed at the um, east side uh, spokane public library right next to the east central community center and um and it ties in um with some literature of tony morrison and it also kind of ties in with the the black history month uh, being february and all of that but before we get to that how did tell us a little bit about yourself and how you arrived to this um, other aspect of what you do, which is art. Okay. Um, So I've always been an artist. Um, Even as a child, um, I've always drawn, and I've always just been a very creative person, Um, whether that's been through visual art, um, through writing, uh, and also through dance. Um, So I did dance most throughout uh, my childhood from age four to about, 18. Um, And so I've just always been trying to find um, outlets to express my creativity. Um, And so visual art has always been something that I've done, um, you know, here and there. And I've never done it formally. I've never had um, formal training in visual art. Um, And I've always been a writer. And so um, I was always... um, you know, writing in journals, and I always had a knack for writing, and so that's what I pursued um, for my undergraduate education was in creative writing. Um, And so for some of my career, and um, I would say that I do, I I worked for the spokesman for six years in the newsroom, um, and I was a theater critic for uh, a couple of those years, and so... um, you know, professional writing has been part of my life. Um, and then uh, earlier, I used to write a lot of poetry, and um, I kind of wanted to write nonfiction. But then I kind of went through a phase where um, I got blocked. And so I couldn't really find the words mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to write. And when that block happened, um, my creativity transferred over to visual art. And so that's when I started doing more of my visual art. So I kind of flip-flop back and forth. Um, uh, sometimes I'm a writer, you know, sometimes I uh, go full force in my writing, and sometimes it's visual art. And so for the last several years, it's mainly been through visual art is how I've been expressing myself creatively. So now you... you- uh, in high school, did you happen to have any uh, English teachers that maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I still have one of his books that I, that I need to get back to him. And it is, it's literally on my bookshelf oh, in my living room. 
It's a copy of Toni Morrison's Sula, and it has Woodard written on the top of it, and I need to return it. <laughs> I've been looking for that for a long time. No, I haven't. That's just such an interesting coincidence that you would be writing or making art mm-hmm. about Toni Morrison's writing, and then I would interview. And, I mean, we didn't, uh, we didn't know really that we were going to be in the same room until, like, yesterday mm-hmm. uh so what a cool coincidence now mm-hmm. um when you grabbed that book um was this i mean was it just something that you walked by in my room and you saw it and you said this looks interesting i, I mean i don't remember the circumstance of this right and if i remember correctly because i have like an elephant's memory um <laughs> and it's a blessing and a curse mostly a curse <laughs> um I think I had expressed because around that time I had to be about 16 or 17 years old. Um, and that's when I picked up my first um, Toni Morrison novel, which was Song of Solomon. And I think I had mentioned that, oh, I really love um, Toni Morrison. Like I just discovered this great author and I want to write like that someday. And I think the conversation, I think you had mentioned, oh, you know, I have one of her books around here. I think it's Sula. And you're like, here you go if you want to borrow it. And so. Well, if it makes you feel any better, now I have (laughs) have books all over my room and I have big signs that say, take a book if it sounds interesting, return it if you remember, and tell me how you liked it. So I lose a lot of books that way. So I I don't hold it against you. This could be like a world (laughs) record, though, in terms of, the book kind of returning, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. 20 some years. Yeah, mm-hmm. for maybe. sure. Yeah. It's a better story if you keep it, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of an yeah. interesting segue. Maybe we can talk a little bit about your latest project here where you uh, you have some 3D multimedia art as well as some kind of paintings that I saw there mm-hmm. connecting uh, your visual uh, interpretation of four of Toni Morrison's books. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so my current show is called To Shalimar, and it's art inspired by Toni Morrison's literature. Um, so it's currently on display at the East Side Library, um, and that's 524 South Stone Street at the bottom of South Hill um, from now until February 29th. Um, and I have four... Uh, pretty large scale paintings. Um, I would say they're about 24 by 36 in size. Um, And each one of them is based on a novel um, by Toni Morrison. And they're um, four of her pretty much most well-known novels. Um, So one piece is based on Sula. um, And that piece deals with uh, the themes of friendship Um, And also sisterhood. Um, So you kind of you have an image of these two women and they were kind of the yin and yang to one another. Um, You have one who um, kind of abides by society's rules of that time. It was based in the 20s of, you know, um, traditional female roles um, and what is expected in Um, society at that time and then you have the other character so that character is Nell so then you have the other character Sula who just goes against all of society's um, traditional values and kind of I have an image of her pretty much like busting a fence down 
Um, and I have the dichotomy of the two women. And so you have one woman who's in pink um, clothing and um, the amplified version of her is Sula in red clothing. And I do everything in mixed media. Um, and so everything, the whole piece is composed of acrylic painting, um, nylon cord, beads, um, magazine clippings, um, Anything I can really find and, and things that I find interesting, I try to incorporate into my art. Um, the other piece uh, that I have is based on Song of Solomon. And the name of that piece is called To Shalimar. Um, and that one um, is kind of an image of a man standing in a ravine looking up. And there's this metaphorical image of a an ancestor in flight. So you see kind of a spirit in flight and his wing is in the shape of Africa um, because mm -hmm. that book uh, has to do with identity, um, uh, heritage. Um, and at that time, um, Toni Morrison, um, I think the era that that one was written is a lot of, has a lot of to, to do with the black power movement and finding identity and finding, you know, like black is beautiful, um, those kinds of themes. Uh, and then the other piece that I have is um, based on the novel Beloved, which is probably one of Toni Morrison's most well-known novels um, because of the movie that Oprah, you know, had produced um, in the nineties. And um, that one, I, I tried to convey grief um, and what it would feel like to lose a child and to lose a child within slavery. Um, and so you have this image of a woman's, it's basically a woman's torso. And so it's kind of like a Madonna type image holding a bouquet of flowers, but she's holding the bouquet of flowers um, as you would cradle a baby, a child. And the flowers are a decrepit bouquet of daisies. And within that decrepit bouquet, you see the image of a child's face. Um, so I like to incorporate a lot of metaphors into my work. Um, and then lastly, the piece that I have is that's mostly three-dimensional is um, called Pacola Breedlove American Beauty. And it's based on the bluest eye. And so Pacola is the main character in The Bluest Eye. And um, the theme of the story is all about self-love. Um, I would say self-love, self-hatred, um, American ideals of beauty. Uh, and so at that time, Pacola... Uh, uh, Pacola had, um, was going through difficulties finding um viewing herself as beautiful um in a society that um you know there are only these certain standards of beauty that um were allowed at the time and I feel like we're getting better as time goes on but um a little girl growing up in the 40s or 50s with dark skin um she didn't see you know mainstream images of herself you know and so um she prayed for blue eyes. And so in the book, it's she's obsessed with having blue eyes. Her life would be better if only she could have blue eyes. So the image that I created was this. I built it out of, um, I started building it out of toilet paper rolls, um, just tons of toilet paper rolls. And then I took paper mache and built on from that. And then um, 
you see this giant blue eye. So when you first look at the painting, it's just a giant blue eye. Um, and then as you get up closer, you see the pupil of the eye is actually the back of the main character's head. It's the back of Pocola's head. And her head is beautiful. It's covered in onyx beads. And you see how beautiful she is. But she's obsessed with the eye. And so she's actually become part of the eye and immersed in the eye. And within the whites of the eyes, um, I have all these antiquated um, relics of female uh, beauty. Um, so like... Uh, little brushes and purses and high heels and all of those things that when you're a little girl um, I know back when I was growing up in the 80s um, the toys that we had were very stereotypical of what do you aspire to be when you grow up oh you know I want to be a princess or <laughs> a wife or you know we would play dress up and tea and those kinds of things we weren't we weren't um playing like uh I don't know, toys, playing with toys like my brother would play with, you know, of like being a, you could be a firefighter, you could be, you know, an engineer, you could be, you know, whatever. And so I kind of try to play on those um, stereotypical images of beauty and um, girlhood. When you start, did you set out to create this, these four pieces or did it kind of grow organically? I mean, is this something you've been working on also for a while as far as I want to create art around Toni Morrison's books or how, how did this go from the first idea to now? Okay. Um, so it all, it all originally started with, um, I was asked by a poet, um, Stephen Pitters, a local um, Spokane poet, um, to create a piece for him a couple years ago based on one of his poems. And so I said, oh, that's, you know, that's a really cool idea. Um, I had shown uh, some art at, some galler at a gallery in Seattle, and they were doing... Um, they were having poets come in and pick people's artwork and create poems mm. based off of it. And so some of them had created written poems based on some of the work I had done in that show. And so then, um, coincidentally, I got contacted by Stephen Pitters to create a piece of art to do the opposite, to create, create a piece of art based on his um, poetry. And so um, the process of... In, of just looking at his words and that challenge. I love the challenge of trying to come up with, you know, taking something already created and um, creating something inspired by it, just like illustrating the poetry was great. And so I thought of what better way to pay tribute to my favorite author um, is to do one on Toni Morrison. And I had planned this before she passed away this past August. I had been um, working on this for a while, and I was hoping that one day she would uh, see it or hear about it or I could meet her. And, you know, I've always wanted to get a book signed by her. And um, so it just didn't work out because my show, um, the first show I had when these pieces were completed was in October. And so it's just the timing just didn't work out that way. But um, uh, that's pretty much how um, how all of that came about. Did you have a vision of what you were going to do from the start? I mean, did you kind of 
have this flash of, I know what I'm going to do for each one of these, or did it kind of evolve over time? Yes, and I would say um, the Virgo in me, because I'm very Virgo, um, <laughs> that I make lists and I map everything out and I cross off as I go down my list. And so I like to take um, note cards and I'll, so for instance, I started on the bluest eye. And so my right brain will just start churning and I'll just be thinking about it and I'll start brainstorming. And so then I'll sketch out on a note or on a note card to kind of get a thumbnail sketch of what I want and I'll do it that way. And then I just go from there and start planning out how I'm going to construct, you know, construct this giant eye. Um, and then um, I chose the books that I was most familiar with because I have read I have read um, Song of Solomon probably four times in my life. Um, the other books I probably read a couple times um, because Toni Morrison's novels are so rich and so layered that just to dissect, you know, each theme um, within her novels is challenging, but I love the challenge of it. Um, yeah. So, um, talking about Toni Morrison's writing being very thick and layered, um, did you find that? I mean, your work is kind of that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of what you're doing, it's very uh, textured. Like you said, you do a lot of multimedia, but it's also very layered on that. Was that on purpose or was that just mainly your style? Or did you feel that that particular style fit her writing best? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a little combination of both. Um, I wanted to pay... Um, tribute and wanted to do justice to the richness of her work um, but then also I am I'm a mixed media artist and that's what I love doing is mixed media so um, pieces that I've done in the past have always incorporated a lot of layers and a lot of different materials and whether that's been nylon cord beads um, scrapbook paper um, I just try to incorporate all different kinds of things where when people get up close to it, they have to try to figure out, oh, I wonder what she used for this. And I love at artist receptions, I love standing there and explaining my process for everything. So if Morrison uh, affected your your visual art and you studied creative writing in college, how much, to what extent did her writing affect how you write? Yes. So <laughs> I would say... Um, uh, it affected um, my writing quite a bit because I am a very descriptive writer. I'm a visual writer in that way. And so um, when I used to write theater reviews, I would um, try to be very descriptive and give people, you know, really um, a visual scene of what was going on in the play. Uh, um, I would say, yeah, I would write poetry. Um, uh I just, um, yeah, I would say I've always been um, very, yeah, very descriptive writer um, and always tried to model my writing um, somewhat Toni Morrison-like. Do you say. still creative write or is are you mostly just painting now um, or doing mixed media? Right. So um, for the past, I would say for the past couple of years, I've mostly been doing um, mixed media but I do, you know, some professional writing here and there, um, more journalistic type writing for mm -hmm. now. Well, you're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM.
And Art Hour receives support from South Perry Pizza, featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza, beer, and wine at 1011 South Perry Street and online at southperrypizzaspokane.com. And I also have a uh, uh, public service announcement. We have a very special event coming up here next week. Um, Join Brooke Matson in Chalice 3rd 7 and Lindsay Hill at the Spokane Civic Theater uh, on Main Street on Tuesday, Main Stage, I should say, on Tuesday, February 11th for a special performance celebrating the release of In Accelerated Silence by Brooke Matson, selected by Mark Doty as writer of the 2019 Jake Adam Poetry Perf- Jake Adam York Prize and published by Milkwood Editions. This theatrical evening will include dramatic poetry performances with music interlude by Third Seven and multimedia effects. Drinks, books, limited edition, um, broadside, and CDs by Third Seven will be available to purchase beginning at 7 o'clock p.m. while supplies last. A book signing to follow the performance, free and open to the public. And this is an award-winning book by one of our local posts who we've interviewed here on our show. And actually, that's an interesting segue. If you missed it when we interviewed her, you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Art Hour, and you can hear Brooke Matson in studio. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump too. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Woman's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. So during that break, I asked Tracy, I said, is there something that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? And you mentioned uh, the Saturday turnout you wanted to talk about. Yes. So this past Saturday, um, we had the opening of my art exhibition, um, but we also had a um, documentary showing of a film called The Foreigner's Home. Um, And the Foreigner's Home is available um, if you have a Spokane library card. Um, You can go on Canopy, um, which is kind of like their Netflix. um, And it's K-A-N-O-P-Y. And just type in the search box, the Foreigner's Home. Um, And it's actually um, an hour-long documentary um, of Toni Morrison, who uh, she curated an exhibition at the Louvre in Paris in 2006. And what she did was she took a lot of these kind of outsider artists and brought them into the Louvre and um, created this whole event based around the theme of um, home. Like, what is home? What is home for people who have been culturally um, and socially uh, socially displaced? Um and she, it was, it was phenomenal. We had a really great turnout. Um, 
the Eastside Library said that's the largest turnout that they've had. Um, that was like a record turnout for the Eastside right Library. Yeah. Um, and I think we probably had about 60 people in attendance. Um, and the film, um, it was just amazing because she uh, incorporated, like I said, she had spoken word poets. She had dancers. Um, she talked about... Um, authors musicians um and just all focusing on home and finding identity and one of the most interesting scenes was she talked about um old blues musicians and how um they showed their original name the name that they were born with and how they changed their name in order to you know find a sense of identity and find a sense of home you know within their art um and I know there was one other thing that I was going to say about the film, <laughs> and now I can't remember because yeah. it's been a long day. But I was thinking, though, um, uh, that you know you've done you know as a writer mm-hmm. and a creative writer and a Toni Morrison fan. Um, after this project, and when you finish your pieces, did you have a any kind of a different? nuanced uh, change in how either you interpreted Toni Morrison's writing or did you change in any way uh, in a, at a deeper level by having combined both those art forms? Right. Um, I think it, it um, in a way, it reinforced um, my love for Toni Morrison. Um, and I think it, um, it did make me... Um, dive deeper into more of the themes, um, you know, in, within her novels. Um, and, and like I said, it was very much, it was a challenge and I really do. I love challenges. Um, and I love details. And so, um, just kind of looking through, you know, trying to decipher all these different themes within her novels and then trying to figure out how I can incorporate those in my work. Um, it's just really fun. It's it's exhausting, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Now, why do you think you? Um, I, I'm. I mean, this is gonna because the question is why do you paint? Mm-hmm. But I want to get there because you started off as a creative writer, mm-hmm. and then you moved away from that. What do you get out of painting that you didn't weren't getting out of creative writing? Okay. Um. So it's interesting. So, um. I think. A lot of reasons why I shifted to uh, visual art uh, is once you, you know, so if I always had a knack for writing and I always knew that I was a pretty good writer. um, And then once I got to college and then you're, you know, you're taught all the form and then it does something to your self-confidence, though, because then you're in the perfectionist that I am I'm always focused on the form like am I doing it correctly oh I can't do it that way because this is not how you're supposed to do it and you get fixated on it and I think um doing visual art because I did not have formal training in it I still have that freedom of like of what I had as a kid where before as a kid I would just write freely I would just create art freely and so I think that's the last thing I kind of have with um 
you know, the visual art ex- aspect um, gives me freedom of it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to worry about form. I'm going to do what feels right to me. It's very intuitive. Well, with that in mind, did you look to anybody to emulate in your visual art? Or did you really just kind of say, this is going to come straight out of me and I don't really want to use any influences at all? Mm-hmm. Um, no, there, there are a lot of artists that I'm... Um, inspired by and um, I travel quite a bit and whenever I travel I go to art museums Um, so you know I've seen uh, I've always like I love the freedom of Basquiat Jean-Michel Basquiat I I love um, his art I'm inspired by Jacob Lawrence I'm inspired by Micheline Thomas Um, uh, Frida Kahlo um, local artists um, I have a good friend who um, is an illustrator and I'm inspired by her work and um, you know and other local artists in the community um, who I talk to and uh, I got to take a really great mixed media class um, a couple years ago from Katie uh, Frey uh, and she was teaching it at the Corbin Art Center. And so me and my friend just signed up for it. And just to be in that room with other creators, other artists, I just kind of felt fed off of their energy and got some really good ideas from her on different um, mixed media concepts. So within all your travels, what museums have you liked the best? Which ones do you find the ones that you'd love to return to because they just had the right vibe for you? Um, So I saw I went to this really cool museum um, in Harlem called the Mokata and it's really small. Um, But that was a that was a cool one. Um, I actually saw a phenomenal show at the Tacoma Art Museum a couple years ago and it was called 30 Americans. And um, that show was so good. It just brought me to tears. It was just um, a lot of up and coming um, African-American artists uh, all together. Their art all together in the same room. It was just it was mind blowing. Um, I recently went to Atlanta, Georgia and went to the High Museum of Art. Um, they had some really great stuff and they had a Romare Bearden exhibit going on while we were there. And Romare Bearden, um, for those who don't know, was a, a phenomenal collage artist uh, from the Harlem Renaissance. And his work is rarely seen on the West Coast. Um, and so it was really a treat to be able to see his work in, in person. So you're kind of going back to Eric's uh, question regarding this, the, this dichotomy of creating writing, creative writing and visual art. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just talked about form and following all the rules versus freedom. Do you kind of relate to the two sisters of the Toni Morrison book a little bit in terms metaphorically about your two maybe two sides of your personality yes I would agree with that um yeah and I would say I am in a lot of ways I'm a contradiction and I'm a mm. I um yeah there's like a rebellious side to me and then there's a very kind of I wouldn't say I don't want to say conservative really but a very kind of more cautious rule following side um and i kind of but i mean i like to be multifaceted you know i want to be um around character (laughs) so we talk in literary terms 
Exactly. Yeah. So, and you've got a you've got your day job, so you have to be conservative in your day job where you work for ESD One Hundred One. Mm-hmm. Do you find that when you get home, that's kind of a compulsion that you have to do? Is this really? I mean, and it sounds like you know, with your note cards and everything else, you're pretty scheduled, mm-hmm. and it w- would make sense that you have a scheduled time. But mm-hmm. is this just sort of a thing that you have to do all the time that you schedule all this time to do, or is do you wait for inspiration to strike? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of comes in spurts, where sometimes I'll be really inspired, and then I'll be obsessed with with the pieces, and that's all I'll do. So I could be in my studio for 10 hours straight working on something because once I get in the zone I'm in there Um, and then sometimes it's okay I need to take a break I need to relax I need to you know step away from this and then I'll come back to it later but usually um, once I think the hardest thing for me is to start a new piece I really don't like starting new pieces Um, I don't like to sketch I don't like to I like to just jump in and um, once I get going I want to I'll rush home from work and want to, okay, now I want to fill this part in. Now I want to do this. Now I want to do that. And, um, and then I'm very much a night owl. I'm not a morning person and I go to work really early in the morning. (laughs) Um, but I've always been a night person where I'll wake up in the middle of the night. It'll be like midnight to four would be, um, some of the times where I create my best, you know, my best art. So, and you were talking about all the planning and note card stuff. Do you have, do you find serendipity in your art too? And can you think of an example where you, where a piece went in a completely different direction than you had planned it? Or Mm -hmm. does that not Mm -hmm. happen? Um, Yeah, I would say that happened in my beloved, the beloved piece that I created. Um, And that piece is called Carrying. Um, And that's the one, um, that's one of the pieces that's up at the Eastside Library right now. Um, I had originally um, had a different vision for that piece. And um, it just wasn't working. um, Because I originally set out to kind of do a stained glass piece or like have a um I started with corrugated cardboard um uh kind of suspended from the front of the piece and um I was going to cut out pieces so then you kind of looked peered through the piece um and it just as I was going along it just it just wasn't working um and so I I went in a different direction and it actually um, every time I look at that piece, I like it more and more every day. Um, Yeah, it just and I I just kept working on it and kept pushing. And eventually I got something that I really enjoyed. So if you're in mixed media, do you feel like you want to change what you work in in the future do you i mean is there um say watercolor or sculpting or is there something else that you feel you're gravitating toward as you keep working on things um well so i originally uh was painting in acrylic acrylic was the thing i was doing for a long time um and I really enjoy acrylic because it's very forgiving because if you make a mistake, you can just, you know, paint over it. It's, it's funny because the person we had on last week <laughs> said that that's why she said, liked oil paint. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wipe it away. Yeah, yeah. And you hated watercolors because once it's there, it's yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, no. I also hate watercolors. <laughs> I do. Watercolors is not, yeah, watercolors is not my friend. Um, 
Yeah, oil painting for me is like too long. I'm very, I'm kind of impatient. And mm. so acrylic is fast, it's quick. And then I like to do cool things with acrylic. Like um, sometimes I get cheap acrylic paint and lay it on a tray and let it dry and peel it up like a fruit roll up and cut it and then glue it on and kind of do some mosaic mm. type pieces. But that's why I love mixed media. I don't think I'll ever um, stray away from mixed media because I'm always, it's exciting. I'm like, okay, what can I make with this or that? And so I keep toilet paper rolls. I keep um, paper towel rolls. I keep bubble wrap. I keep whatever just to try to see what can I make out of this. You know, I want to make something really cool. So th um, this this work that you did with the Toni Morrison um, novels, which was really a collaboration with the actual story and, mm -hmm. and what you did there. Um, do you see yourself doing uh, future collaborations? You know, with we had, you know, we just talked about like a Brooke Matson who just won an award as a poet, mm -hmm. or maybe even around a theme. You talked about the show in Tacoma, mm -hmm. where you had um, this collection of all of these emerging African American artists, which I think would just be a such a powerful thing do you are you do you have dreams of kind of what you would like to see yourself either facilitating or actually doing in the next four or five years okay well um i do have i am committed to some shows um coming up um and some venues in the future um i'm definitely going to do some more work with the spokane public libraries mm -hmm. they've been phenomenal they've just been really great to work with um and uh, I would like to do, um, the plan is to do a couple more Toni Morrison pieces. Um, I finally, some of her newer novels I haven't read. I own all of the novels that she's ever written, but some of them I haven't read yet. And so Home is one that I recently read. Um, and after watching The Foreigner's Home, you know, the documentary we talked about, mm. um, I'm just, I'm very inspired right now to create something on home um so probably in the next few months or so i should have another tony morrison piece to add to the collection oh. um and then i also was really inspired by roxanne gay who came to um spokane last year for get lit um i had never heard of her and a co-worker told me about her um and so i read her um memoir um hunger and I thought it was phenomenal and it really resonated with me. Um, and I would like to create some kind of piece based on hunger coming up. And again, um, started to branch out um, to look at some other artists, or I mean, some other uh, authors um, to create some work based on. Yeah. I was thinking of, because I have a piece in my living room uh, created by Larry Ellingson. Hi, Larry, if you're listening. And he has, it's got 15 different types of uh, media in it, including fish leather. Ooh. So I kind of have two questions for you. Is there one medium, one, one fabric, one something that you keep coming back to, you find you really like using a lot? And is there something that you've kind of maybe it's too expensive or something you just haven't worked with yet that you would like to put into a piece okay um i know i definitely love um working with magazine clippings um the piece that i have at the library right now on um, the two shalimar piece the whole sky in the back is just um 
tons of different shades of sky made out of magazine clippings. And so I keep stacks and stacks of magazines in my studio and I just go through and look, okay, I need this shade of blue. And so I just flip through all the magazines Mm -hmm. and pull out all the blues and sort them out and do all of that. And so um, that's been working really well for me. Um, As far as um, other materials... Uh, I think I would like to learn um, more. I have I've never worked with plaster, and I think that would be kind of cool to do something with that. Um, I've tried to do a little bit with clay here and there, and it hasn't really worked out too well. Um, and then um, you know I started going uh, going to paper mache which I hadn't worked with since I was a kid, but I loved like the paper mache was very therapeutic of just getting your hands messy. (laughs) And then like the feeling of smoothing, you know, your hands smoothing over newspaper is just, yeah, just very nice feeling. But you said therapeutic is, do you find that that is a big part of what you're doing with your art? Is it, it's a calming thing for you? Yes, it is very calming. Cause me, I have, I have anxiety. I'm a worrier. Um, my brain's very creative. And so it, that right brain, I always say that right brain just turns and turns and turns all day long. And so, um, to give it an outlet, you know, to kind of release in, um, put it to work. It just yeah, unleash it. Helps. Mm-hmm. Now you, um, as we were coming up to the studio, talked said that you you did a show here at KYRS. Yeah, and uh-huh. um, you did talk a little bit about that because it kind of relates to what we're talking about now. Okay, um, so way back when, um, in I want to say two thousand four. 2000, yeah, I want to say about 2004, um, when I had first moved back here from living in Seattle, um, I did a show on KYRS called All Things African American in the Arts. Um, And so it was kind of a biography show where I just wanted um, people to know about these African American artists that they would have otherwise not have known about. And um, so I would just try to pick all kinds of different artists, um, from Savion Glover, you know, famous tap dancer, um, mm-hmm. to Zora Neale Hurston, a famous author, to August Wilson, famous playwright, um, and just give a bio on them. And then I would also play music that would go along mm. with that um with that particular artist. So one of my favorite shows was the August Wilson show. Um, and I'm a big fan of August Wilson. I go over to Seattle Repertory Theater every time they have an August Wilson show over there. Um, and so he was very much inspired by the blues. And so half of the show I talked about, you know, him and his plays. And then the other half I played, um, I played a lot of blues music. Now, is that pretty scripted? Did you just, did you write it out and and read it? And then um, did you have any improvisatory, did you improvise at all during that time? Um, No, because <laughs> I was going to say, when, when she's talking about her process, yeah. I bet she's got note cards and a list yeah, yeah. right yes. there. So, so again, that's very, I, I always say that's the Virgo in me. Um, I'm kind of a control freak. And so, um, no, it was scripted. You know, I had done all my research, 
written out a script, read the script. It was pre-recorded, you know, picked mm -hmm. out, selected all the music, did all of that. So it's probably 10 times more work. But, you know, for me, I'm like, it has to be perfect. So because I'm very much an all or nothing person. Um, and so funny thing about that, um, the Eastside Library, um, I had never worked with them before. I had worked with Indian Trail Library to put on some shows and everything went well. And so the Eastside Library reached out to me and um, Thomas, um, the Eastside Library said, oh, yeah, you want to col collaborate on, you know, an art event for the, the month. And so I he was surprised at all of the stuff that I brought when I you know, came for the event on Saturday. We bought, we went to Domini's. We bought a big bag of popcorn. We had bagged popcorn for everybody. We had sparkling <laughs> waters. We had regular waters. We had carrot cake because that's Toni Morrison was known for her carrot cake and her birthday's on February 18th. Yeah. So we had everything, you know, every little detail. And Thomas was like, wow, you went all out. And I said, yeah, I'm very all or nothing. That's and what so, I do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, you want an event? I'm going to give you an event. <laughs> Did you save the recordings of those shows? Do you still have those? Yes, I do. Yeah, I have them on CD, and they and I don't know if they're around here or anywhere. Oh, either, they might be yeah. in the archives or something like that. That'd be cool yeah. if they could replay them. I mean, they'd probably stand up. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just kind of historical documents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I really loved my theme song. It was um, "Mo Better Blues," the "Mo oh, Better yeah. Blues" song, and so um, yeah, I was. Yeah, so that's uh, an interesting education right there because you had to do research mm -hmm. and um, you know with all these different artists and, and different uh, genres of art um, when that show was done what did I mean you had to grow a lot and just in your own uh, feeling about this this wealth of talent in the African-American community mm -hmm. that was out there um, uh, did that inspire you even more or is I mean what what did you take away with that? Um I think my main mission for doing that show was to get like to kind of uh get Spokane to be more aware of all these great mm -hmm. artists that exist. Um yeah, cuz that's sometimes I get a little frustrated. You know, where sometimes in Spokane we're in our little bubble and we don't really connect with the larger world, you mm -hmm. know, what's going on in the world. And me, I always want to be in the know. Like, I want to know what's going on, you know, what's going on in New York right now? What's going on in Seattle? I want to be like everywhere and be in touch with everybody. And so it was kind of my way of doing that. Of These are artists that I think are phenomenal like I just you know some of them were finding out about you know more about certain artists but other ones where I love these artists and I'm like more people need to know about them mm -hmm. and so I want to get the word out there and people to get excited about what they do you use the word main mission and you know you talk about creating your art and it's therapeutic but I know that's not your main mission you said your main mission for that radio show I'm wondering if you I mean I know there's a big question so I and you might you might say I don't know uh do you have kind of an overall mission for your art, especially your visual art, since that's what you're doing now? Uh, I mean, politically, socially, do you think you have a, an idea that you say, I really want to make sure, or, or at least this is even what I see and I create. This seems to be something that I always do in my work. Mm -hmm. um, I think as I, like, as I do more art and as I grow, um, as I get older, 
I'm just kind of figuring it out, you know. I kind of just do, it's very intuitive, um, where I just felt like, oh, yeah, now is the time where I want to do this. You know, now would be the time I want to do this pe- these Toni Morrison mm. pieces. Um, that's what I'm feeling right now. Um, a couple years ago, I was working on a series called Grow Where You're Planted. Um, and so... At that at that point in my life, I was just kind of, um, you know, as you're as you're maturing, you're trying to find your way and you're trying to be comfortable within yourself. And it's really like how you're um, you make choices and you end up being in a certain place. And so it's like, how do you make the best of your situation or how do you really grow where you're planted, you know, and how do you really thrive? Um, and so uh, that's kind of what I was doing. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, a couple of years ago. Um, I just kind of, like I said, it's very intuitive. Um, it's kind of what I'm feeling at the moment and what I need to f- express at the time. Hmm. It's yeah. interesting because you say it's intuitive, but when you make your art, it's definitely planned. Yes. So <laughs> so the intuitive part yeah. is what you want to create in a general sense, but then right. once you have that yeah. idea, you really plan it out. That yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's me um and uh yeah, like I said I'm very um kind of a contradiction in that way <laughs> where uh I have a lot of ideas um, and, and work is a perfect example where, you know, how sometimes in work situations, you have people who have like great ideas, mm-hmm. just brilliant ideas, but they don't know how to bring anything to fruition. And then you have the people who bring stuff to fruition, but then they're not really outside of the box mm-hmm. thinkers. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like I have both of those. Um, I am very like I'm left brain in that way. Like I'm very much a logistics person. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to get there? What do you, you know, you got to plan this, you got to have this, but then again, the right brain takes over too. And I have, you know, all this creativity flowing through. Can you remind us uh, where we can see all that art and when and how? Yes. Um, so, uh, it is at the East Side Library. Uh, that is 524 South Stone Street uh, at the bottom of South Hill. Um, it's on display now through February 29th. And the library is open Tuesdays from 12 to 8 and Wednesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Well, Tracy, I hadn't seen you since the previous century. Uh, but it's really good to see you again. It's wonderful to hear about your art, and it's nice to know that my book is still safe and sound. Yes, what a thank you. coincidence <laughs> yeah. about that whole, that whole story. And do you have uh, social media sites or any uh, online galleries where people can look at your work? Yes. Um, so I have a website, and I apologize ahead of time because my last name is very long. Um, so it's www.tracypoindextercanton.com. Um, and there is a hyphen in there. So it's Poindexter hyphen Canton. Um, and there you'll see, um, you know, you'll see the current work that I have on display. Um, you'll get to know a little more about me and you'll see some of the other work I've done in the past. Oh, very cool. It was great talking to you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for a having me. A real pleasure, me. Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.